0: Coming up next on Contemplate.
1: Everything in history going backwards and forwards is all balanced on this one thing. The true story about everything is Jesus.
0: Welcome to Contemplate, a Bible teaching ministry of Pastor David Robinson and brought to you by Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Today we're going to learn some powerful examples of reason and faith from the Christmas story. Please turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and here's Pastor David.
1: Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. What's she doing? Reasoning. What does it mean to consider? To consider something. She's reasoning. She's thinking about it. Right, he said something, and she's not saying blind faith. Whatever you say, she's immediately considering it, thinking about it, reasoning through it. What is my evidence? What do I see? What should I infer? Right, he's he's coming and said, "Blessed are you, highly favored." And the first thing she says, is, what, "What manner of greeting is this?" Usually, when people come in and butter me up like that, they want to sell me something. So I'm gonna be careful about this angel here. Right, she's thinking through it. What's going on? Okay, reason. How can this be since I do not know a man? Okay. She doesn't mean she's never met anybody that's a man, okay? What is she doing? What is this moment here? She's reasoning. No blind faith. No whatever you tell me I believe. What happens right here is that the angel tells her something that her reason says doesn't make sense because you don't have children unless... You know each other, right? Right? That's what happens. She understood that. She's not a Bronze Age idiot. She knows where babies come from, that there aren't any storks doing this work, that there's a real thing that has to happen between a husband and wife and so on, right? So she considers this. She thinks about it and she asks, how is that going to work? Because the stuff that normally has to happen hasn't happened. So how is it going to work? This is her reason. This is where faith and reason interplay. Now, I don't think at all that Mary didn't have faith that this was going to happen. I think she knew when the angel told her. I think she had faith. There was an angel telling her this. This is a woman that was chosen because she's highly favored of God. This is a woman who probably loved God in a powerful way. So she trusted God, and she believed it was going to happen. What's her question, though? How? How? What's the mechanism for this? I know, my reason tells me that this can't happen by itself, so what's the mechanism? Faith and reason. Now, the angel tells her. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit's going to put the seed in you so that it will actually be the Son of God. Not the Son of Joseph, right? But the Son of God. So he tells her how it happens. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, what happens? She hears this this news, these facts. She takes the time to reason through them to make sure that they make sense. She ultimately decides that they do and believes what the angel has told her, and th- that step of faith is taken, and then it's expressed in her action. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be. Do what you said. I believe you. I'm gonna do it. I'm your, I'm your lady, I'm your woman, okay? We have reason leading to faith leading to action. This is the way it works. Now. Let's talk about Joseph, who was in a slightly different uh, situation. Joe wasn't maybe so easy to convince, right? Um, Because if someone comes to you and says, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit, your reaction is generally not, oh, absolutely. That happens all the time, right? I don't know, you know, uh, there's people out there like, oh, I thought that that's where, you know, I, I believed her. No, listen. People don't, that doesn't happen. So when, because Joseph, as we'll see, is reasonable, he has a little bit more problem. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18 and go through verse 21. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to cause shame to her family. But obviously he understood that she's pregnant and it weren't weren't him, right? As we'd say in the South, Um, it was not him. And so he was going to just kind of put her away secretly. But here's what it says. But while he thought about these things, what's he doing? Reasoning. Here's the facts that I've been told. Here's what I know about, here's the visible, here's what I know about how, you know, all this works, the mechanism for how all this works. What I'm being told is different than what I understand to be true. And I'm, I'm reasoning through it, I'm thinking about it. So while he's doing this, while he's doing this, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Joseph is thinking these things through. There's not enough evidence for him to buy what Mary's telling him so he's gonna put her away. Now some more evidence comes. He has a dream. This angel appears. This angel tells him in such a way that he's convinced That in fact, this child is of the Holy Spirit. Now the evidence has gotten stronger, and what does he do? Verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. So what happened? We had reason, first saying, "Uh uh-uh, then having enough, and when an angel comes and talks to you, generally speaking, you're probably going to believe him. At least you're going to be scared enough to believe him, right? Right? The angel tells him this thing. His reason grows to the point. He gets far enough down the road of reason that that jump from reason to truth, the faith jump becomes small enough for him to have faith. He does, and immediately it leads to action. He takes Mary, his wife, and believes it. Reason leading to faith leading to action. Reason leading to faith leading to action. That's how it works. So, Joseph showed his faith by what he did, right? The visible, him taking Mary as his wife, was proving the invisible, his faith in God, that in fact Mary was pregnant of the Holy Spirit. This is a big deal, okay? This is a big deal. Mary and Joseph, neither one of them, were unaware of the magnitude of what's going on here. God becoming man. Now we've talked, we've gone through this, and we've gone through, this is I think the fourth message, and as we've walked through this, we've talked about the true story of everything, and we've walked through kind of step by step. Where did we start? Perfection. God creates the universe, God creates the earth. We talked about how that worked. He created, he created human beings for relationship with him, for love, for love with him, for love between each other, relationship. That's what he created, but human beings decided that they would suppress and pervert the truth that he gave them and do their own thing and we broke the world. We broke it. The universe was broken and we were, we were lost. Death comes. Pain, evil, disease. All of this comes because we chose to go another way and a holy, perfect God could not be in community with broken, imperfect, sinful, vile people. But he didn't stop loving us. In the next part we talked about how these whispers from these prophets, from these Jewish people are talking about this king that's going to come, this one that's going to come that can save the world, that can redeem, that can justify, that can take the brokenness of the world and put it back together and fix it and make those of us who were without hope have something to hope for, that we might be made right with God, reconciled to God, able to once again be in community with him, made holy, which we could never do ourselves so that we can be with God who is holy. And Jesus came to us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He came to us not while we were looking for him. But while we were in the midst of suppressing truth and unrighteousness, of living in our vile and evil ways, as the dark thoughts of our minds and hearts were all over the place, as we were living then, as we live now, evil, broken people, God still in that still loved us so much that he didn't just do some magic trick. Because of his holiness, he had to come himself as the Holy One and live like you and me with all the pain and all the suffering and all the disease and all the things that we see and in that, never sin and die to pay the penalty for you and me. And he proved that he was from God by rising again. Now, why did he do it? Why did he do that? Because it was the only way to save us. Don't you think if there had been another way, God would not have sent his only begotten son to die? Isn't that kind of a last resort? Right? You don't send your child to die unless there's no other choice. And sometimes even then, that's the love of God being shown to us. The sacrifice of death had to be made by one who didn't deserve it to pay for those of us who do deserve it. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is the good news. This is Christmas, right? That's why we celebrate. That's why we celebrate because not only do we have the birth of God as a human, as a man, we also have what leads to Resurrection Sunday, which we'll celebrate in several months, which is the culmination of all that God did for us in his death and his resurrection. And in that, in what we can see, and the evidence for that is incredibly strong. If you want to go back and look at the skeptics form we did earlier this year, I think it's the seventh one, I talk about the evidence for the resurrection. Listen, it is so strong. I don't know that there's another historical event that has stronger evidence. So much so that there are those who are not Christians at all, scholars, who don't want to believe anything that has to do with Christianity, that still have a very, very hard time reconciling the evidence of the resurrection. They don't know what to do with it. They admit it. Those who are honest will admit it. Look, I don't know what to do. It appears by all the evidence that this man, Jesus, rose from the dead after predicting that he would do so. That's some pretty incredible stuff, okay? So why do we believe this? Why do we believe this is the true story about everything? Because the evidence is so strong. I can see the tree, I can see the fruit. It is not a big leap to the root. That God created the universe, that we broke it, and that he has given us a way to be reconciled with him. That's the true story. That is the crux. The entire world, the universe, history, everything is balancing on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything in history going backwards and forwards is all balancing on this one thing. The true story about everything is Jesus I am the truth, he says, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see me, you see the Father. You see me, you see truth. I'm what it's all about, and he is what it's all about, which is why Christmas is a big deal, because it's all about Jesus, not just December 25th. Everything is all about Jesus. That's the true story of everything. And for those who want to use the word faith, as a way to insult. Oh, you just believe that by faith. You believe in fairy tales. That's nonsense. I might as well believe in the flying spaghetti monster. Right? That's what what your faith is. For those who would say, oh, isn't it wonderful that our modern Western mind has done away with the specter of faith and religion Now we have reason to know how to use our minds, and we can believe true things. We don't have to worry about all that. That kind of thinking is nonsense, and it's truth-suppressing. It's suppressing truth. The simple fact is that the same people who say that have all kinds of beliefs about that which is invisible, that they don't subject to the kind of scrutiny that they want to subject Christianity to. They have all kinds of faith about all kinds of things, but they want to act as though Christian faith is something different. It is not. It is not. Um, Bishop Robert Barron, a Catholic um, guy, Bishop, they get cool names, um, uses this illustration. He says, look, if you meet a pretty girl, you can kind of seek out the evidence. You can find out what you can find out about her, right? Right? You can ask her friends. You can see how she acts, see the types of things that she's doing. You can get a feel a little bit for who she is. You can even go and talk to her, and she can tell you things about herself. But at the end of the day, before you give your life to her in marriage, you've got to believe that she's telling the truth. You've got to believe that what you see is actually accurate about this person because you cannot see her heart. It's invisible to you. You have to make a decision, and we do. We do it all the time. You married your spouse based on what you saw. I'm willing to bet that some of you found out on the other side of marriage that all of the evidence didn't necessarily lead to the conclusion that you had. They may have been putting their best performance on, right? Because that's what we do. That's why it's called falling in love because it's a trust fall. At the end of the day, you can only get so much evidence, yet you're willing to give your fidelity for life to this person, have children, raise a family, live until death do you part with this person based on some evidence. And you even know that they're probably putting their best face foot forward and face forward, ladies. <clears throat> I'm just saying, little paint will make a girl what she ain't, okay? that's. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. That's messed up. True, but messed up. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to get emails. Um, I'm kidding. I know that none of you wear makeup. It's cool. So here's the deal Do you believe God's revealed truth, what He's told you about Himself through nature and through Scripture? Do you believe that there might even be more evidence for that than for the lady or man that you married? If you believe it, what are you going to do? There are all kinds of decisions in life that you cannot get 100% certainty on from what you can see, but you have to make 100% commitment to. For instance, if you ever flown in a plane, you cannot have perfect evidence that that plane is going to take off and land safely. In fact, planes do not always do that. They've been known to crash. Don't worry about it. If you're flying somewhere, your plane's going to be fine. I'm just saying some planes have been known to crash. And when you get on that plane, when you walk down that jetway and get into that seat, you are committing 100% to something that you cannot have 100% knowledge of through reason. Right? Because you can't go, I'm 99% sure the plane's going to make it there. I'll put 99% of myself on the plane. You can't do that. It's all or nothing. Same thing when you drive a car or, or take a train or eat food in some restaurants. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? All of these things, you're making a 100% commitment to something you do not have 100% certainty about. And yet, you do it every day, And you risk your life and the lives of your children and your family and whatever. Every time you get in a car, every time you do anything, people are getting all nervous now. And don't have anxiety, okay? My point is not to scare you. Obviously, it's part of being alive in the world. We do it all the time. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. How much more important is your eternity? How much more important is the state of your eternal soul? Is it more important than your trip to Albuquerque? I think it is. And you're, in this situation, gonna go 100% one way or the other. You're going to trust in Jesus or you're not. There's no 50-50. There's no I 50% trust in Jesus. That doesn't get you anywhere. It's one or it's the other. Did God send his only begotten son into the world that you might be saved? Did his sacrifice, his death, and his resurrection provide a way for you to be reconciled to God? Is the evidence there from the tree and the fruit you can see? Is the root there? Is it real? Is it true? If so, what should you do about it? Is it true? If so, what do you do? What do I do? What is the evidence? We have the reason. Does it lead to faith, which then leads to action? If you don't know Jesus, if you're not a follower of Christ, you'll have that opportunity. Someone near you, or one of the elders, or one of the deacons, or me, find somebody and say, look, I want to follow Christ. My reason has led me here. This step of faith, I'm going to do it. I have enough evidence to go in this direction. Listen, faith is simply reasoning the root from the fruit. And let me just tell you, the fruit's there. The fruit's there, and it's solid. We've talked about it many, many times. So, as you think about this, is it true? If so, what are you gonna do? So what are
0: you going to do about it? If you've come to realize that Jesus is real, and you want him to be the Lord of your life, just ask, don't wait, right now. Tell Him that you believe in Him. Ask Him to forgive your sins and give you eternal life. And you know what? He will. And if you have questions or need help, call us at 360-885-9000. Or better yet, come see us this Sunday morning at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. All the info you need is a click away at ActsChurchNW.org. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out our next episode here on Contemplate.